Welcome to our Brooklyn Bites special PAX edition. PAX East 2015 edition. Coming to you live from the the PAX floor, right? Um, that didn't work out. No, we, we did have the best intentions of recording <laughs> at the at the actual PAX East yeah. show, but that didn't work out. So, yeah, we were too busy PAXing. Yeah, to sit and record. Yeah, it really was. It's amazing how tiring these events can mm-hmm. get you. Yeah, yeah, and even even we even thought, well, let's maybe we'll record something when we call it a night and head back to the room. But even then, it was it was so late. Uh, most of the nights and um just didn't didn't work it in no no i mean like well a typical day would be you have to be there the show opens at 10 the floor right but you can be there as early as eight o'clock if you building opens at eight yeah just for like the merchandise booth and just wait in lines if there's any panels you want to see at 10 yeah and you have to find parking so the parking lots fill up fast so you really have to get there for like nine and that's just like being conservative if you want to like park and stuff. Yeah, well, so there's a, there's there's the south parking lot that's like directly next to the building, the the convention center. That's like the main, the Boston parking. Convention Center. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then they have overflow parking when that fills up, which is a bit further away, and they have shuttle buses to bring you in, right? But you know, it's just a hassle because you don't always know if the parking lot is full, the south parking lot. So you do the loop around well, well, the building to find out, and then you get sent horrible. all the way north to the, the overflow. Let me just tell you, Boston has been doing this for how many years now? Mm, At this, least five, right? This is five, I think, yeah. I've, I can't believe how much of an amateur job they do running this thing. Overall? It is, it is so slow. Or parking? The parking. The uh-huh. whole organization of everything. It's, it's just a total mess. It's a mess. They don't even have the snow cleared out from the parking lots. Like, when we first parked on our first day, we parked on a giant sheet of ice. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was messy, because the, the over, that was in the overflow lot. That was in the overflow lot. We, we got there, first of all, pretty early, like 9.30. I thought it was early. So, we pulled in. We waited in line, because there's, like, tons of traffic, because there's cops directing people everywhere. Mm. And then we got in, and... It said parking this way, so that's where we went. And we got into the lot, and then they're like, nope, it's closed. Go this way. Mm-hmm. So now you have to follow this other line, and you're just sitting in traffic. And they, it just takes you to the, to the overflow lot. But if they just would have said that in the beginning, yeah, that would have saved us at least a half hour. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Because now you're kind of in, in the line of cars that are trying yeah, to get to yeah, the other you can't, lot. There's not really anywhere to go. So, so you're kind of forced to, conveyor belt horrible, style. Sloppy, horrible. Just very poor signage anywhere. It's, I think they just, you know, they should, they should, they should cut off that entrance once that lot is full. Sure. So yeah. that you don't bother going that mm-hmm. way. Um, but the problem is you have to go the complete opposite direction to get to the overflow lot. And that lot is small too. Uh, lot? I don't know how much space they have. It's hard to tell. Well, you mean the first one? The first, yeah, the, yeah, the main yeah. Set. It fills up pretty quickly. It seems way too small for that for a convention center of that size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the uh, The overflow area is is near the docks. I think it's on a jetty, which uh, is like you know, kind of like a thing yeah. that sticks out into the water. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I guess they didn't have it completely cleared out because it's pretty abandoned over there i mean it's not it's not like heavily trafficked i don't think <laughs> no 
But yeah, that was a bit of a problem. But you know, these shuttle buses, you know, line up for the shuttle and get get over there. But of course, it's you know, I mean, Boston has gotten clobbered this winter. They're they're like that's true. They're that's... like hammered pretty bad, and um, you know, it was not comfortable waiting in in the air in the cold air waiting for that shuttle waiting bus. Waiting for that shuttle bus, right? Exactly to to, to pull it was up. Cold. So yeah, it was an uncomfortable start, and especially I couldn't believe seeing these girls in like super short like butt showing like skirts and like bare skin everywhere and they're just standing in the cold like i don't know how they did it um not, i could not even imagine that i think this must be part of the the cosplayer um code to to be able to you know endure any any weather conditions for the sake of your costume and your look i wish i could have experienced not experienced that <laughs> but I wish I could see what it feels like because mm-hmm. I, I, w- I had like four layers of like, jackets and sweaters on and I was freezing my <laughs> butt off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was definitely it was cold. cold. I mean, it was in the, it was in the thirties and maybe a little less in most situations. Yeah. Yeah. No, at night it dropped to single digits. Yeah. Really? Yep. Okay. I checked. <laughs> I know you're very conscious. <laughs> I was the, checking the weather. The, the temperature. <laughs> I had my coat on. I didn't feel that bad. <laughs> I don't handle the cold too well, I guess. Yeah. Well, but I mean, aside from aside from that, the actual convention itself hmm. is inside. It's a little bit more organized, mm-hmm. a little better. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I don't know what they're up to. I think they recently did make note of how many packs they've done so far, including you know all the different locations. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what the number was, but it was quite a lot. It does, it does seem like they have Attendance? it down. You know, in terms of how many shows they've done up to this point. Like, oh, like since the beginning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, huh. I forget what it, uh, it's up to though. But I think they're, you know, they do this every year at several, they have four different shows at this point. So it's pretty, um pretty well known what's involved they, they do tweak things every now and then though mm-hmm. for example they have you know nighttime concerts friday night and saturday night and uh there used to be wristbands given out to attend the concerts because they knew it was a high demand event so they used to um tell people like hey show up early to get a wristband by this time whatever so this way you can get in to the to, you know this way you don't have to like you, could, you still have to line up to get into the concert but at least this way you have an admission ticket. That's your, that was your ticket in. Uh, but I think they found over the years that basically even people who do get tickets, they'll go, they'll hang out for half an hour, and, they'll, and then they'll take off. Mm. Either the band's not to their taste or they just their friends are doing something else and they just don't show up. I don't know. Things like that Yeah, go happen. to a bar or something. <laughs> well, typically what happens is you know there's a big turnout for the con for the concert when it first starts but then the doors are open and anybody could just wander in anytime plus after there's that. other things like you said going on at the same time mm-hmm. so right there's the tabletop games going on and the, the free play arcade room and the console rooms and right and and other panels too mm-hmm. yeah so a whole lot of things happening um so this was my third pax east mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You, though, you've gone to a bit more? Than- Let's see. Yeah, probably... This is probably my sixth year of paxing. Wow. Yeah. But you've gone to more than six? Because didn't you go to two in one year or something? Mm, no, like you was- did West and East one year? Uh, One year. Okay. Yeah. 
but they were a year apart, though. They weren't in the oh, same okay. year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I went to the one that was around before they started East. Mm-hmm. And um, it was good. It was very similar. Yeah, so this was why I don't, I don't, you know, I thought East is a pretty good stand-in for PAX Prime, typically. The only advantage PAX Prime seems to have is it's later in the year. So it's closer to the holiday season when there's more games coming. So typically you see more um, more vendor participation, usually more games to see. Hmm. Um, but I would say that's true for um, mainstream gaming for the most part. Uh, in terms of indie, I think it seems you know pretty active all around, all the time. And I think even this time we saw quite a lot of indie games on the show floor. Anything that stood out? Any good for you? Uh, yeah, well, there's a whole bunch. Good, I'm glad you <laughs> took notes because... <laughs> it's funny how I'm, like, I'm wandering around the hall and I'm thinking, like, oh, I'll remember this, I'll remember this. And then it comes down to, like, the last day mm-hmm. and I can't remember anything. <laughs> I'm sure once I mention them, you'll remember them. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I see, we're seeing um, a few years ago... You saw, I think, probably a lot more mobile games being shown. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think a lot of the indie focus has shifted to PCs now. It seems like it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I saw it was. I mean, not even. I would say almost every booth we went at had an Alienware Steam machine. The uh, the Alienware Alpha. Yeah. Right. Which is the little made for the living room, you know, starting at $550 or so. Yeah. They had it on sale for um, $4.99. Little box. So. Yeah. Yeah. So they must, at deals. first I thought I was like, oh, okay. All these little indie guys like bought one of these little things, you know, it's nice and convenient and small. But then I started seeing like flyers next to it that said, you can buy this for four ninety nine, sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then I realized that Alienware or, you know, must have invested in, and bought, you know, everyone who attended Right. You know, a lender machine, maybe, to, they dem- probably to demo their stuff on. Because yeah. it really was, like, in every single... Well, they got a little ad out of it, uh-huh. basically. Yeah. And gave uh, gave them some exposure, and then gave them also, you know, some hardware to, to demo their machines on. Yep. Better than lugging a giant de- desktop around. Well, in the past, yeah, it was like, people brought their laptops, and mm-hmm. they, they just did video mirroring, or... And we still saw some of that. Yep, yeah, there were some... Um, you know, previous years, I saw Uyas. I didn't see any this year. Mm-hmm. And like you said, unless it was a mobile game, I really didn't see any yeah. mobile devices. A little bit. A little. There were maybe like I saw maybe like three or four mobile games. Yeah, n- noticeably less. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I guess we can try, probably talk about some of the particular games we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the first games we tried out was this puzzle game called Tumblestone. Yep. Right. This is. Um, this is uh, from the creators of The Bridge. Um, it's a competitive multiplayer puzzle game. And I think they're gunning to have this on everything, though. This is, this is uh, going to be on Steam, on Xbox. That's what he said. He says anything you can put it on, we, we will. Uh, Wii U. 3DS, yeah. Um, Android, Windows Phone even. You know, just whatever they can get, get it on. Um, and so this was kind of like, I think... It, we started off with um, four columns, right? And it was each player has control of of, sol- of you know grabbing puzzle pieces in their particular column, and you're kind of fighting the other players, right? 
It's a little, yeah. It reminds me a bit of like Puzzle Bob, Puzzle Bobble. Is that what it's called? Uh, I guess so. But instead of ball, balls, you had just a, like sort of like that Sega Columns game. Mm. You just had blocks. Well, you know, it was really similar actually to to Magical Drop. If you've ever played that, oh yeah. You know where basically you have right. to you collect three. So you have a layout of different colored blocks, and you collect three in a row. Mm-hmm. So you pull them down from the top. And you have to do it in such a way to match the colors when you do that. Yeah. Um, but basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to solve the column in your area before the other players do. Right. And if you get stuck, you can reset it, but then that puts you they, behind. Yeah, so it's all... <laughs> unless the other person's just as slow as you Right, are. right. But you're basically trying to finish your puzzle before the other players do. And mm-hmm. then when you do, you kind of win the point. Yep. And then you're trying to get to a certain score. Um, so I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, I had I fun. Know. Uh, I kind of liked it. I liked it, yeah. I even had... It was funny. We had, I heard someone talking about it who... It just so happened we were in another booth and some guy came over and he was telling his friend about it. You heard about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> he was right. like, yeah, I just played it. was crazy. <laughs> uh, on the last day, someone yeah. ran over and said, you gotta try a tumble stone. <laughs> yeah. So, I'd say look for that one. Uh-huh. Um, I think also we, we checked out uh, a game that we had seen last year, uh, a game that you played uh, called Centris. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, I, music rhythm sort of game kind yeah of? yeah so it's like so it's kind of a music game and it's kind of a puzzle game um you kind of um you, you kind of you, you have different sh- size blocks right which yeah. have particular sounds to them and you're trying to kind of build a song by combining these sound blocks together yeah so it's kind of a, a puzzle game but you sort of can't really lose at mm. it it seems like mm-hmm and the big differences I saw from last year was they added uh, two new modes. Mm-hmm. So there's now um, uh, like a freestyle mode where you can just kind of build tracks and make music. Right. And I think the other one was arcade mode or something. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. In addition to like the regular standard. So that was new. Um, the graphics got an up- upgrade. And uh, I got to say, though, the one thing I still don't get is how the game plays <laughs> so like the she added um like on-screen controls now which was there before yeah and, like a manual and stuff so at least like now it's explaining to you more like how it plays mm-hmm. but i guess like i didn't really pay attention too closely because you, you know when you're at the convention you're just you just want to sit down and play it as quick as possible mm-hmm. so I, if i would have sat down and like read it a little bit more closely and she was explaining to me like what it does but i still couldn't understand <laughs> i still wasn't quite getting it and i was like all right i think i understand i'm like making chords but then i didn't understand so yeah i, I didn't play it this time uh, i was watching you play and i was trying to see if i could follow what was happening a little better while not having to play it yeah uh i do remember playing it last year and i remember making progress despite not knowing what to do yeah yeah <laughs> you know well yeah i chose a different mode that's why like mm-hmm. The other mode we tried last time was a little bit easier to figure out. Right. Um, yeah, but it was cool that, you know, the designer was there. It looks there. good. Yeah, it's shaping up. I'm actually looking forward to that. It's going to be on Ouya, she said, and everything else. Uh, it's PS4. on Steam Early Access currently, mm-hmm. coming to PS4 as well. Um, so that looks pretty cool. Uh, I think after that, we moved on. We saw another game called Five Star Wrestling. Yes. By I, been, Serious Parody. This was a big surprise. I, like... <laughs> I didn't know they were going to be there. Mm -hmm. So I was really shocked. I was like, whoa, I didn't know this game was like this close to development, like coming out. I know you keep your eye on all indie wrestling games being made. (laughs) 
So I was pretty excited to, to try To the point where they blur together. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, this was... So I played through the game. I played the demo and stuff. And then I talked to the developer. And yeah. yeah, we tried to sample a, a full a full match. Yeah, yeah, we played a full match. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started talking to him. And I'm like, yeah, I can't believe, you know... I kept talking about, like, referencing another game. And I got his game confused with another game in development. Because there's, like, three indie wrestling games in development right mm-hmm. now. And I think the other one is... Um, not action arcade wrestling it's wrestling revolution maybe uh no no that one's out already mm. it, there's another one um shoot i don't remember now <laughs> but um oh pro, pro which one uh, pro wrestling x that's oh it. right 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 yeah that, that, that one yeah so then he told me he's like no you're thinking of pro wrestling x i'm like oh yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah well this one this one's a 3d wrestling game it's on ps3 Believe yeah, yeah, because he's been working on it. So they've been at, it's, they've been at it for a while, and um, you know it's going to be a downloadable title on PSN. Yep. Um, and I noticed they have the in in keeping with the theme of many of these games, they have sort of um, I don't know. I guess you could say sort of uh, stand-in wrestlers. They don't have official wrestlers. They have like, right. Yes. Yeah, so they, they have fake wrestlers based on mm-hmm. wrestlers yeah, that you know. They don't have the money for licensing and stuff. So you have Harvey D in this game. Yep. And you have Greg Hardy. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and the likenesses are kind of close, but not mm-hmm. exactly to the original wrestlers. Yeah. But not a huge roster, surprisingly. I think there was only like eight eight fighters, he said. Right. And uh, the the one they had one ring ready to go at the, the show, the uh, like default gym right, wrestling like, ring. Right, like a training room. But I did see someone chose another like arena-style ring, so I don't know how many... Like backdrops there are in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your impression of the game? Uh, well, this one is we, we played it. You know, deep, like a good ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I thought it still looked like it needed a bit of work to it. I mean, I mean, I felt f- the same way. <laughs> for one thing, they're going for a uh, kind of a realistic look. Yeah, you know, this isn't this isn't like a lot of games where there's it's sort of you know, comical or just kind of, you know, fantasy-based yeah, in some way. Yeah, full 3D. It looked very reminiscent of, like, the old No Mercy-style mm-hmm. game. Right. I Just because of the... Um, a lot, There was a lot of clipping issues. There was a lot of clipping, yeah. And um, and I wasn't sure if the moves list was complete, because I kept doing the same move over and over. I know these wrestling games, like, by the back of my hand, mm-hmm. and I could not pull off, other than, like, the finisher and, like, the basic like uh, Irish whip, mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out anything. Right. And there was, there was instructions that said that like, you know, press this for grapple, press this for pin, but right. it was the same moves every time. And I think once I pulled off a different move and I had no idea how I did it, but mm-hmm. no, even when the guy was on the ground, like usually you can like pick up the guy, you can do a submission or something. No, it was just pin him or you can um, just stomp him. That was it. Right. So I don't know. That seemed a bit, yeah, like but maybe needed some tweaking. I think it's scheduled for this month. He said, "Yeah, he said it's for uh, March." When I when I asked him when it's coming out, I'm thinking like, "Oh, 2016, you know, 2017. Mm. We need funding and stuff." He's like, "That yeah, should be out in another month." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't I'm know. still looking forward maybe... to it because I I play anything that's maybe. any wrestling game. Sure. So. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's PS3 only at this point. So, well, I should have asked him if that meant Vita also, like PS3 Vita. Yeah, because then that means I can play it on PS TV. That's if true. Not, then. If if that's an option, yeah. Um, but I didn't see any indication that it was on any other platform. Mm. 
but who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's an easy port. I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> what else? Uh, let's see. I guess we can move on to um, a game I saw called Rive, I think. And this was that 2D kind of platform shooter um, where you could, you, you sort of have a, a guy that you control and you, you, there was like kind of a hacking element to this as well, where you could sort of um, send instructions to mm. your, the enemies and try to like take them over. Right, 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 right. Was so, this the one that, like, I, I told you looked like Blaster Master? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That same one. A little bit of that, a little bit of Metroid, maybe. Yeah. Um, although it's not, you wouldn't really strictly call it a Metroid-style game, but it just felt like it, just because there was a lot of a lot of tubes and stuff transporting you yes. to different areas. Mm-hmm. And, and So there's real, uh, it was very reminiscent like of, like, morph, morph yeah. ball tubes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but great-looking game, I thought. Visuals were nice. Lightning was great. Yeah. A lot of particle effects. Um, this one's from a developer called Two Tribes in the Netherlands, uh, I found out. And they're going to be on Steam, on PS4, on Wii U, and on Xbox One. Hmm. So, it's going to be available everywhere. It looks really good to me. Yeah, it looked great. So, that's pr- definitely on my short list of mm-hmm. games I would pick up if, yep. if, you know, if and when they come out. And that's the other thing you see, end up seeing a lot of games here that may or may not be coming soon, or may not even come at all in the end. Who yeah, knows? that's true. So. Well, there's some games that this is like the third year we've seen them, and they're maybe not still out yet, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's what happens. A lot of times, these are indie devs. They, you know, don't have... Some of them are not... This isn't even their full-time job, making these right. games. yep. They, they work nights and weekends to and Some of them, are, games they're out. doing... They, they show off these games in hopes that someone funds these games. Like, they'll do, like, a quick level or a demo or something, and hoping that someone sees it and maybe can fund it so they can finish the game or, mm-hmm. you know, without going to Kickstarter and other options. Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess, well, I'll also mention something else that we saw at um, the Shovel Knight booth. You know, they were there. Um, uh-huh. Yacht Club Games. Uh, yeah. um, they were, you know, they were showing off their the new expansion. There's going to be a free update to Shovel Knight coming out called Plague of Shadows. I thought it was Plague of Shadona. <laughs> That's what I was calling it. It was a very medieval sort of font. That I couldn't, you couldn't make really, out the font. That you couldn't read too easily. It was not readable. It was, it was a poor choice of font. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're trying to look a little gothic there. What can you do? I suppose. <laughs> well... So it's going to be a free update that's coming out on you know this sometime early this year. Free uh, update to Wii U owners too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody who's currently yep. got the game will get this update. Um, I guess it's got some new playable characters in it, um, and you know, of course, the game is also coming to uh, PlayStation Three, Four, and Vita in April, and it's going to have some exclusive content. Kratos is going to be a boss battle, I, th- yes. I believe, in the game. Mm-hmm. And even the Xbox One version is coming that's going to have the Battletoads in them as well. Um, But the cool thing we saw at the booth is they had a physical box and manual for the game. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, I think it was $15. It was designed to look like an NES box. Mm -hmm. um, Full manual, like NES shape size. And full color. It was a thick manual. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a little tempted. I was tempted, too. Well, I ended up passing on it, but... Yeah, I don't know. I wish maybe I shouldn't have done that. Well, it was pretty neat. It's a nice collectible. I don't know if I like the game. That's the problem. I didn't play it yet. <laughs> I caught it by the box and I can't even play it. I don't even should, own the game. Should that really get in the way of collecting? For me, yes. <laughs> Whether it's a good game or not. I try to 
think logically. You have more sense than I do. Uh, maybe suppose, I don't know. <laughs> well, so in, in in that same theme, there was uh, another booth uh, run by uh, IndieBox, and this is a company that that does actually make special edition physical box versions of uh, independent yeah, it's bizarre. Um, digital games, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, games that are typically downloads only, they'll give you a custom USB drive with the game on it. As oh, well. are they giving you that, that's, too? That's how they, oh, that's okay. how they um, publish the game. Huh. Yeah. Um, as well as, you know, just a unique cover and, and everything else that you would also normally like find. Also, like, similar shape to an NES or Super NES box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends on the game. It depends on the yep. style of the game. Like, the game in particular that you were trying out was um, Super Win the Game. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which um i think for that one they even made a custom like super nintendo controller pretty much they did yeah um you know with with a label USB, for the game on it yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it was usb type and i don't know that, that game seemed to have some uh it was an interesting design i don't know very minimalist uh, it was yeah it was it was one of those like um possible type games where you kind of just have to trial and error and, and find out what you're doing mm-hmm. it seemed like Seems okay though. I don't know if I had the time, I might go back to that game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some of the other titles they had uh, boxes for was uh, uh, Rogue Legacy. They had uh, Lufrausers. Close to buying that Rogue. Oh, that particular one one you liked? Yeah, I didn't like that. That was the problem. I didn't like the art style too much. It seemed like I felt like I could just do that myself. I could just download the art and just print it out, make a box. You probably could. Uh, Yeah. No. Well, but I would have preferred. They put a little bit more like graphical nuances to mm-hmm. it to make it look like like a style more, more style to it something a little more commercial maybe maybe yeah it mm-hmm. didn't, didn't look factory produced enough I see yeah I but, could see I could see that in certain cases I think I think some look different than others I mean yeah they didn't they didn't exactly it's not like uh, they had um, a matching look to each other no it, yeah it, there was no uniformity or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the different boxes did have different styles to them. Um, I think Mousecraft was another one of the games they had there. Hmm, maybe. And uh, and also Luftrausers, like I mentioned. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was one of the ones sold out ones. It's not available anymore, uh-huh. unfortunately. That's what they were saying. Yeah, they said they're they've they're unexpected how much demand they've been for these boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I it, I think they have a plan where basically you can subscribe, mm-hmm. where you pretty much you get. You know, you pick a plan and you, you kind of get every new game they make as they come out. Or you can go back and, and purchase previous ones as kind of a single purchase. But I guess maybe you take a chance that there's not going to be any left. Maybe maybe they sell out I don't out know why they can't just reprint them unless they have a licensing deal where they can only yeah. print, you know, That could be so what many. it is. Right. Do they say how much they were? It was like 20? Some, some, I think some of them were like 25. And that was without the game? That includes the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, if you already own the game, then I guess that's an additional cost. Um, you know, if it's a game you like and you want a box for it, then you're still kind of, I guess you're still buying a new copy of the game when you buy their edition of it. Yeah. Um, but I thought it's, I think it's an interesting idea, nonetheless. I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. I think sure. it was, I think it was, it was similar to what they did with that, um, like Mega Man 10 press kit, I think, that came out couple of years ago was it Mega Man 9 or 10 that they did that Nine, yeah one of them 9 or 10 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they, they released that mock uh like box and right. box short for it yep yeah so that's pretty cool that they're continuing yeah. to do that in other forms 
Um, so another, yeah, there was another indie game that did that same thing. I don't know if it's on your list. Mm-hmm. We played it last year. It was called Anne. Oh yeah, a, it was really A N N E. Right, right. I don't know what it stands for, but <laughs> but yeah, they they actually had so they had that box on display again that they had on last year. It was like a mock NES box, mm-hmm. but this time they're selling it. Mm. If you bought the game, like the Steam, it's a Steam game. Mm-hmm. They said if you if you buy it from them, yeah, look at the box and look kind of like a Super Nintendo RPG, yep. style game. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't know much about it. So that seemed to be a little trend going on. It's pretty, that you might see more of this year. It's it's curious because you you have um, a lot of these indie devs producing games that appeal to retro fans, mm-hmm. that appeal to you know the way games used to be, and yet they're they're digital downloads for the most part and don't have that physical aspect of that retro. A lot of retro fans like they like collecting, and there's nothing to collect for these type of games. Yeah, it's, it's very true often for these digital games. That's right. So this gives you something to put on your shelf and say, "I." It's like a trophy. I own a this game. Trophy of, you're right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> and so there was another game there that I think you also tried out. It was called uh, Curses and Chaos. And I don't know if you remember this. This was the uh, this was a brawler, a single screen brawler where there were different enemies popping on the screen. Um, this was by Tribute Games, the makers of Mercenary Kings. Kind of looked, uh, art style kind of looked like Ghosts and Goblins. And you were, you had like a little ninja girl that you were controlling. Did I play this one? <laughs> you sure this was me? You did. This was on the giant arcade machine, like the giant oversized looking arcade box. Oh, uh, okay. And it was like a two-player yeah, game. Yeah, you were, yeah. you were playing right. with another player. Yes. You know, I couldn't get figure out how to get the two-player to work um, at first. Yeah, I, I think... We were tapping the buttons and... Just wasn't happening. I don't know if there was mm-hmm. something crashed or something, but we we finally got that going. <laughs> well, it looked all right to me. It looked all right. It was a little repetitious, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know if that's just unfinished or the stage they put you in was like intentionally kind of easy or, or just limited in what you can yeah, do. But I don't know. It seemed okay. Mm-hmm. I think that was a wait and see. Right. Yeah, I didn't get I didn't get, I didn't get to try this one, but it was. Um, Nice graphics, nice music from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know ultimately what the whole game is going to be about. Yep. If that's all it and is. And then the difficulty just got extremely hard fast. Mm-hmm. It was like easy, 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 easy. And then out of nowhere, it was like, you're dead. <laughs> like one one guy kills you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. I kind of I kind of like the production they put into their games, uh-huh. but I, I just don't know if this one is going to be uh, appealing until I, it's the finished game comes along i think at least for me and that's another thing like whenever i i don't even i didn't even bother asking devs this year like when the game's coming out because mm-hmm. they're always going to tell you like oh yeah we're going to have it out by the summer or or you know by we're definitely going to have it out in the next three months or four months and that means usually like a year from now i think they're just openly speculating yeah they, yeah unless it's like about to come out mm-hmm. <laughs> i'd say it's always a crapshoot yep but the only good, the only thing about this one that still interests me is the fact that it's it's coming on PC and on Vita as well. So that's a weird mix. I know, and yet anything that makes it, makes its way to the Vita will have my interest. At least hmm. I have to at least give it a chance. It's good to know there's one Vita fan left. <laughs> at least we saw how many 3DSs this weekend, but oh god, let me uh, tell you how many Vitas compare by comparison. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's amazing. Like, so many 3DSs. Mm-hmm. 
like it's incredible like so many people just and it was not even just like sitting you know and playing these are people that are just walking as they're watching the show floor with a 3ds on in their hands yeah like kind of doing both like playing tapping buttons and also looking at like the stuff on the show floor it's amazing it's um <laughs> people like to multitask it's an I experience guess. yeah that's how that's how portable gaming is done and then I'm thinking to myself, I don't own a 3DS. What am I missing? <laughs> a lot of street passes, I think. Maybe. <laughs> I, heard, I heard about this phenomenon. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I guess we can uh, maybe talk about another game we saw uh, called uh, Video Ball. Yeah, let's talk about Video Ball. <laughs> <laughs> this is by Action Button Entertainment. Uh, this is going to be... Um, I guess how do you describe it? It's almost like air hockey a little bit, but you it's have... like a, yeah, it has like Atari twenty six hundred graphics meets mm-hmm. air hockey. Yeah, you've got several balls that look like maybe uh, pucks or something, but but there's simple more than geometric one. Geometric shapes, very simple. Mm-hmm. And you've got kind of what looks like maybe like an like an asteroids type of ship. Yeah, like a triangle. You can, yeah, just a standard triangle ship. And you're trying to push the ball into the the goal, pretty much. I mean, that's all there is to it. By shooting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can do other things. I guess you can you can create some kind of yeah, shape. <laughs> you can power up your shot by holding down the button. Uh-huh. If you hold it down long enough, it creates a shield, a square. Like a barrier. Like a giant square, yeah. That you can just drop anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you can theoretically protect your goal that way. Yeah. Or trip up your enemies or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. It took me a while to get used to this. I couldn't, I didn't take to it right away and I wasn't really sure. I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like games where the controls are an issue. I felt it extremely frustrating. I was extremely frustrated with that. Mm-hmm. Just from like, first of all, it felt like you're on ice. So every time I moved, my character would just, even though I'm not even moving the analog stick anymore, it's still moving. It's like sliding. And right. that's really... And a game where you need preci- precise shots to shoot, you know, like a, a ball inside a goal, it was very frustrating. And then as you're trying to spin, I felt like the spinning wasn't accurate. Like I was moving right and maybe it was like either moving left or I don't know. Something felt a little off on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't... I think at first I was... Um maybe struggling with the, with how to really move your ship. I mean, I, I mean, I'm very used to controlling these type of games with the usual rotation and thrust combination. Yeah. And this didn't, this game didn't have that. You simply moved your stick the way in the direction you wanted to move in. Mm-hmm. Even though you said you had some momentum, like you mentioned, you know, like you, you continue to float, but you just, you know, you just move in the direction you want to go in, which seems like it should be pretty intuitive. Uh, but for some reason it just wasn't working for me. Um, so, I don't know. This game does seem to be getting some attention, some buzz to it. So mm-hmm. I'd say check it out and see if it is to your, to your liking. Um, I, I walked away from it. I was getting so I was ready to like throw the controller. I was so frustrated <laughs> playing it. We were playing two versus two. It was yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I abandoned my teammate. <laughs> <laughs> I was left uh, with no choice but to follow. Once you cut out, uh, we were. I think we were. We were losing five zero at that point. I, I didn't know what was going on. It made no sense mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. I'm shooting the ball. The ball's not even moving. It's like it moved like a tap. And then the other player comes in and the ball goes flying across the screen. I'm like, what, what just happened here? Like, I'm, yeah, they must have I don't know what's going on. Moves. And then the next thing you know, there's like three circles on the screen. I'm like, well, which one's the one you have to get in the goal? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was like, this, this doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> 
So I can see this one was not on your list. No. On your wish list. No, that, that to me was the worst of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was definitely the main one. Are you sure that's the right one? Because we also played another game. Oh, yeah. Which one? <laughs> another game that people have been clamoring for. Yeah. So we passed by the Harmonix booth. Ah, Harmonix. And you were interested in seeing what they had to show for Rock Band 4, because yes. that's been recently announced. Mm-hmm. They had... Um, they had a T-shirt. They had, a, you know, like a, a like, like a concert tee, like old like yeah, rock cool. uh-huh. rock tee kind of a thing. And they also had a poster. And they had they even had a guitar, a, a, a customized guitar, Pax to, East exclusive, a yeah. Pax East edition, which had some artwork from the you know from the webcomic. Um, I, I think it was a hundred dollars for the guitar. I think so. Yeah. And that was a pre-order was, item. Yeah, pre-order. So they didn't actually have them. Mm-hmm. They had like a mock-up demo to show you but that's it right um but they were also showing uh the new amplitude game yeah the newly kick-started and funded game um you know, i guess it was on ps4 i think we were using ps4 controllers for that one so we got to try that out we we tried the multiplayer version right yeah, well was... here's the thing like and this goes this is the same is true for a lot of other uh state you know companies who had their game set up if your game was using headphones, mm. I was not going to demo it because I'm not putting <laughs> these dirty headphones on my head unless I know you were cleaning them and no one was cleaning the headphones after people were done playing with them. Hmm. I see. I did see them wiping down controllers and they, yes. had, and they had hand sanitizers. Yes. So, well, not everyone did, but some booths right, were kind some. enough to have sure. hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. So I, I would have liked to play single player Amplitude, but... I was not putting those headphones on my ears. Right. Yeah. So I had a set so up they, for multiplayer, which had have, speakers set up. Right. So they had a demo station, but that only had headphones. So yeah. we tried. So we ended up sitting in for the multiplayer version, which had speakers, mm-hmm. so we could hear the music because that is <laughs> critical to the game. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, What'd I was I was never a big uh, player of frequency or amplitude, the old ones for PS2. So I wasn't. This wasn't really uh, on my radar. Other than the fact that well, Freeze Pop had a song in the game, yeah. so that was maybe a reason for me to want to check it out. Well, the funny thing is, you say that because the the group that was in front of us, he was like, they had the harmonics guy, and he's like all psyched, he's super excited about it, this game, you mm-hmm. know, it's his game, and like there's all four kids sitting there, and he's like, all right, which one of you knows how to like play the amplitude? And they're all like, no one's saying anything. He's like. All right, you guys never played Amplitude before? <laughs> Nobody? Okay. okay. Yeah, it, was uh, ten year, it was 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, right? So Yeah. So yeah, it's not um it's not a game that everybody knows. I mean, No, it's I, this is really going to be a brand new experience for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um personally for myself, uh I forgot that I, I did play it. Um I know I did try to rebuy it once I later on when it was like out of print. And I didn't have much luck finding it at GameStop, but, um, you know, that's already long gone. So, going into this, I, I sort of remember how to play it, and then I remembered why I never bought the game originally. Mm-hmm. Because um, I just I don't find it a very... Um, something, I don't know. I Maybe because I'm spoiled by how, like, Garage, um, Guitar Hero and Rock Band played. Yeah. That, to me, this just seems like a step backwards, but mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, I was pretty excited to play it until I started playing it. I'm like, oh, all right, that's why I never bought this game back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I remember. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it should be simpler and easier. Um, and there are there are new there are new aspects to this version. I think they're they're introducing some new things. But 
Well, I think we start off at the disadvantage because we played the multiplayer mode. Right. Which seemed like... It, well, it definitely was a pre-alpha build, first of all, so... Very um, clearly stated, yeah. The fact that it even was as playable as it was was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But you can see, like, the ships did not line up right with the tracks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when there's four characters on the screen at once, it was really hard to keep track of which character you were. So it was pretty kind of chaotic. Yeah, because you're jumping from track to track, and... We're color-coded, but it's still... It was very... Yeah, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. But you are co- still competing with, with the other players, so yeah. you're... Yeah, I think it was, it was... Again, this was another situation where it was, like, two versus two, and you have four tracks, or, or was it even more than that? Uh, maybe it was five tracks? Might have been. Might have been five. I'm trying to recall how the screen was laid out. Yeah. But yeah, so you're jumping between the tracks, and you're trying to finish the track before the other team does. and Getting power-ups. And and then you sometimes you'll block. There's like a slowdown power-up that throws the rhythm yeah, off. Yeah, there's three types of power-ups, I think. I think they were up to five or six. Were they? Even. Yeah, because they, they had a little postcard up with some of them on there. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll still, I guess check in on the game to see how it's doing by the time it finally comes out, but not necessarily. Well, they said also all the music is from like Sony artists. Well, like not Sony artists, but like well, they didn't really say for for sure, but it's pretty much in-house music, Uh except for Freeze Pop. I think they're the only, you know, like third, you know, outside band who has a track in the game. Yeah, although they are kind of, they were kind of in-house at the time. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah, that's true. Because one of the people that worked on the game was a founding member of Freeze Pop, so... um, Freeze Pop being a band who was in the original game and also in Guitar Hero 2. Right, yeah. Also in Rock Band. Well, Harmonix is a... Yeah, they're associated with... They're they're a local developer to Uh the area, and, you know, so they they were part of the original soundtrack. Yep. Um... But yeah, I guess that'll that'll probably be that'll probably change by the time release mm-hmm. time comes around. They'll probably have uh, more artists on the roster. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll I'll probably check back just to see. I'll still check back, yeah, just because I like music games. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. I think there was another game I tried out called Black Ice. This is um, mm-hmm. kind of like a um, cyberpunk looking type of game, almost like a Tron world. Where you sort of uh, it was it's kind of described as like a hacking RPG, you know. You remember this one? This is the one I sat down and like I had to hack these terminals while these like spider-looking creatures oh, pop right. up out the of the spiders. floor. Oh right, spiders. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, looked interesting to me because of the aesthetic. Kind of yeah. It the had look like the, the, the vector kind of glowing mm-hmm. perspective with with the little like digital spiders that were coming towards you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I, I couldn't really get a sense of what the whole game was going to be, if that's all there was to it. Yeah, I didn't get it either. Like, with the, you know, other than the, the obvious, which was, you mm-hmm. know, avoid the spiders. and <laughs> Right. Yeah, so I woke up to some... It's a third-person view. Or no, it's a, actually a first-person view. Um, and it looks like I was in some kind of computer-generated landscape. And then I went up to a terminal, and then as I was hacking it, um, you know, some creatures would come up to try to, you know... Um, get me to stop. I guess they're trying to protect it. So there was like spiders and like a giant scorpion and some other stuff. Um, and it looked, it looked, you know, visually nice, but I couldn't really tell much more about the gameplay. Um, I think that's good. That's also on currently on Steam Early Access. Um, and not much more to say about that, I guess. Uh, there was another game that I think you tried called uh, Downwell. 
if you remember this one, this is the one that you played on the iPhone. That was uh, oh the monochrome. Yeah, kind of like um, kind of had like I guess eight bit style graphics, like very you know maybe three or four colors at most. Yeah, maybe just three. I think it was three color. We we we, we did the <laughs> we're analysis. Trying, so. We're trying to figure out like okay, I see black, black, white, and red. That's it. <laughs> So very minimal, mm-hmm. minimal graphics. Yeah, but yet uh, interesting gameplay. Right. So this is on iOS. It's also on Android and PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but we tried out the we tried out the, the build on. Uh, it was on an iPhone, iPhone five, I think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is by a Japanese developer, um, and it was um, you know very two D. Um, kind of reminds me of Hero in a lot of ways. The the Activision classic game, where you sort of are descending. Uh, and you, you're trying to like work your way through various platforms, but it's a lot more action oriented. This one, um, very simple controls, right? Just left, right, and jump. Yep. And then it. if you press jump again while you're jumping, you get to shoot downwards. Shoot downwards, yeah. Yeah. You have a limited amount of ammo until you touch the ground again, and then it re- reloads. Mm-hmm. So as you're falling down and shooting, you want to definitely time your shots mm-hmm. and use it wisely. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. It's a little uh, fast, a little hard to see when you're falling, especially because your character is very low on the screen and the enemies are coming out from the bottom. I felt like it was a little bit tricky to see because it moves very fast um, where the enemies were. Because you can also jump on the enemies too mm-hmm. um, and, and bop them like a Super Mario Brother style move. Right. However, you can't bop the guys that are like really red, I think was the rules. Probably have to shoot them a bit more. Yeah, so... I didn't quite get that. It was more just trial and error. Like, mm. see what it, it was almost going too fast to even know what you're doing. But I liked it. I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably uh, check out and see see what that what happens with that game. I don't know if it's um, close to release or not, or if he it's did, out he couldn't say. He said, mm. "Yeah, he said he's still working on it, and okay. he had no release date." All right, it was only that he literally was the like the programmer, and that's it. There's no one else on that team. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I can see how that happens a lot. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, there was another game there that's been out for a while on Xbox One. This was called uh, D4. This is one of the downloadable games on Xbox One. Um, also known as Dark Dreams Don't Die, hence the title, D4. No relation to the D games that were out on 3DO or... Um, no relation to that? No relation. It's funny, because I always thought there were. Yeah, yeah, you would think, because it was D and then D2. Yeah, so there you go. And then this one's known as D4, but again, no no relation to that. This is by um, being put out by Access Games. This is by Swery65, a Japanese developer, who is also known as the creator of Deadly Premonition, mm-hmm. a game that a lot of people seem to like in um very... Uh, kind of uh, schlocky horror kind of way, in a way, <laughs> you can think of it as. Um, but the interesting thing here was that even though it was an Xbox One game, this game was also being demoed on a laptop, which seemed to indicate that it was maybe coming to PC as well. Um, chief reason being given was that, you know, it's just not that many Xbox Ones out there, mm-hmm. and um, they want to kind of maybe broaden the audience for this game. So I thought that was... Uh, kind of interesting because at the end of the demo, I didn't play through the demo because I kind of, I do have the game on Xbox One and I want to, I want to try it out there. Um, but the person who was running the booth mentioned that you know at the end of the PC demo, 
it, it, it says coming soon to PC with a question mark, kind of asking you to vote on that to see if you would support, you know, the notion of it coming out on PC. Would you? Um, hey, sure. Why not? If it means, <laughs> if, it, I mean, cause I think it's, a, it's an episodic type of game mm-hmm. and, uh, only a certain number of chapters came out so far. So if the game is going to continue, I think it needs to continue to get support from players. So yeah, if, if the series is going to be successful, I think it needs to have, um, potential to be <laughs> purchased by more people perhaps. I mean, you know, the Xbox one's picking up now, so who knows? Maybe they'll find more success there. Uh, in that same booth was um, a game that we saw last time as well uh, called Galaxy. Um, and I don't think the developers were there this time. The developer 17-bit was not present. No. But for some reason, there was this game was being demoed in their, in, yeah. in their booth. Maybe they're doing the distribution for this game. Um, and I got to try it this time. Um and I don't know, I found the game a little tricky to control. This was another one where I thought I could get used to, you know, this is, seems like a very simple pick-up-and-play type of game, but there is a bit of a learning curve yeah, to it. Yeah, there is. And they admitted that last year, too, when we played it. Mm-hmm. And and the game does seem like it has some, it got a little makeover, but the control seemed almost a little bit harder than it was last year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of, um, it, it took, it, it definitely took a few tries Luckily, your ship can take some damage. <laughs> it reminds me a bit of the game Subterranea on mm. the Sega Genesis. I could see that. With the way it handled. Yeah, yeah. Even in even in the style of the game, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a cool-looking game. I mean, it's got a very 80s anime aesthetic to it. Oh, it looks super cool, yeah. You know? Um, so, I'm, I'm, I mean, we were, we were told this game was going to come out last summer, and so it's still... Uh, being worked on and tweaked. So, like we said, we don't know when these games are going to going to finally come out, um, but hopefully, hopefully soon. Uh, so, another booth that I found interesting um, was uh, Media Molecule was there, uh, showing uh, Tearaway Unfolded mm, yeah. for PS4. This is a game that the original Tearaway came out on Vita, uh, but again because there are maybe not as many Vitas out there as people would like, uh, main, namely the developers. They want to see their their games on you know more people's hands, so they're porting this game to PS4. Um, and really cool looking booth. I mean, this game is very um, yeah. That was the most impressive booth to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was a tiny little out. booth, and somehow there was, it just you know had projected like a lot of color and, mm-hmm. and interesting design to it. This is a very papercraft based game. Um, so the whole booth, the whole wall was like covered in like different colored sheets of paper yeah. and all like scraps of paper, like colored, like paper. cardboard. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, they had even had a big table where people were just making like, like different colored, uh, you know, paper animals and shapes and objects and things. Um, so there was, there was a whole like activity center there beyond just the game itself. I was, I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, another game that looked interesting to me that I didn't actually try out, um, was, uh, this game called Mini Metro. And this Oh, yeah, you had your eye on that one. <laughs> yeah, so this one kind of looks like, um, a picture, a, a, a subway map 
uh, the kind of graphics, the kind of icon- iconography that you see on a on yep. a subway map, uh, very much in, like looking like um, um, the, like the London Underground map, for example. Um, <clears throat> this game is sort of like a train sim. You're you're kind of designing tracks and the flow of traffic and you know uh, moving passengers around and things like that. But it's almost like the whole the whole subway map itself is animated. Um, so just from that basic premise, I, I'm interested. Even though train sims are not really a genre that I've taken much interest in historically, um, just like the look of this game, and I thought it was it was pretty cool. So I'll be yeah me I I, I didn't find mm-hmm. everything to me seemed kind of bland and not that interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how you know one person can see one thing and another person. You say bland, I say minimalist. <laughs> That's how I position it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this looks pretty much like a computer, you know, like uh, on Steam platforms. So uh, it'll be on Windows, Mac, and Linux. I think it's another um, early access type of game. Uh, let's see. Another game that is can, you know, sort of fall in that category was um, a game called Nuclear Throne. And this was being shown by Vlambeer, the Dutch developer. Mm. Um I didn't get to play this. I just saw a lot of people playing it. This looks like um, kind of a dungeon crawler, roguelike style game, but your characters are kind of mutants in like a post-apocalyptic world. (laughs) So that makes it interesting to me from that start. Well, the great thing is we didn't have to play it there because we can play it at home because they gave us a free copy of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. There you go. So yeah, those are that's one of our freebies for the show. Um, we ended up getting codes for the game because there was a challenge put on the board next to the game saying if anybody got to level four in the game or beat it, um, anyone who was watching, anyone who was tendons. watching, anyone in the crowd, and there was a big crowd at the time. It was people, pretty big. People were cheering on the players uh, at that point. Um, anybody who there when the win occurs gets a copy of the game. Mm-hmm. So that was very cool of them yep. to <laughs> pass the game out. Um, I did end up buying a shirt from them anyway. Um, this is from the makers of Ridiculous Fishing. <laughs> yes, and, and Luthrazer. And Luthrazer uh-huh. as well. Um, and so I ended up buying a Ridiculous Fishing t-shirt from Should've them. Should have the hat. The hat. <laughs> the hat. Oh, they had one left. One hat left. They had the last... How did you pass that up? The last hat for Ridiculous Fishing was for sale yeah. on the table... But it also had a ridiculous price tag on it. On a thousand dollars, not worth it. A thousand dollars. Now you could almost think of this as a charitable donation. You're helping an indie developer yes. continue to make games that you like. Um, but for a thousand dollars, I I would have to pass. I'm gonna I'm gonna say there's probably a more charitable. I even waited until the last day to see if they discounted that hat <laughs> to mark it down to nine ninety nine ninety seven. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't budging. That might have to go into the delusional eBay sellers <laughs> group. <laughs> well, I, I can I can understand them soliciting for for mm-hmm. something like that. That's fine. They're, they're... I actually would have been shocked if someone bought that. It wasn't mm-hmm. totally far fetched, you know, but that'd been really funny if it was gone. <laughs> I don't see it happening. <laughs> Um, so another game that, uh, I wanted to check out, uh, even though I didn't think it was going to be at the show because it's going to be released imminently, 
uh, any like actually this week, this coming week, it should be Hotline Miami two coming out. Mm. Um, I didn't see um, Denaton Games listed on the list of exhibitors, but Devolver Digital is there, and you know since we just talked about the original game on our last show, um, it was very much on my mind. So I did happen to stop in when the game was being demoed on every station in their booth. I think the demand, the demand was so high by by the last day mm-hmm. they just opened up every, even though they had other like games on the other TVs, yep. they just shut those down and put Hotline Miami and everything. Yeah, so Hotline Miami Two, wrong number, <laughs> was yeah. up, and um, I got to play one full mission. Uh, I don't want to give anything away in terms of what happened at the end of it. But I'll say it's another instance of what you thought was happening was not really happening. Mm. <laughs> but uh, it's, well I'm done. I'm happy. I'm happy to see that the game looks and plays just like the first one. Yeah, it's more or less the identical engine, game engine from the first one. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any real difference. Um, maybe there will be other things that happen while you're playing, but mm-hmm. I doubt. It, it looks like they're keeping. You know what worked for them so well yeah, in the first good. game. Yep, they're just going to stick with it. Had a big crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my my big dilemma, of course, is what platform I'm going to get it on. You even asked the guy there. He like, <laughs> what do I buy it on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked him. I said, is there any uh, difference whether I get it on PlayStation or on PC? Because mm-hmm. I played the first game on PC, which I was, you know, perfectly fine with. Um, but the game is coming out on on PS4 and uh, Vita as well. So I and it's a cross buy. So I wouldn't mind having it on the Vita. Get more bang for your buck, right? <laughs> uh yeah, I guess so. Or at least more higher body count, I guess. In this case. <laughs> um yeah, so I don't know. I'm right now I'm leaning PlayStation though. I think I might just go PS4 on that. Well, you played it on with the PlayStation con- controller, mm-hmm. and you did probably better than most of the people I was watching who was playing it. Mm. So obviously, that jump from using a keyboard and a mouse to a controller. Was... Oh well, I didn't. I used I used the three sixty. Oh, you, did you on the on the PC? PC yeah, oh, okay. yeah. I played with the gamepad. Mm. Um, yeah, I try. I think I tried it with the mouse briefly with the keyboard controls. I didn't really see any any benefit to it. It looked like it was going to be faster and easier with a controller, so I stuck yeah. with that. Hmm. Um, I think they had some other, they had like, um, uh, like a special edition of the game for sale at the booth. It might've, might've sold out. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, but it was like a soundtrack set. They had, they, they came out with like a vinyl, uh, record oh, set. Oh, right. Yeah. The special li- vinyl edition. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting collectible, but I'm not gonna, I don't have a turntable, so I can't use that. <laughs> Um, let's see, let's see. I think, uh, there was another game there that caught your interest, uh, called Dead Pixels 2. Yeah, I mean, the game itself, uh, was sort of, it almost looked like a side-scrolling, like, beat-em-up style. Mm-hmm. But, um, it was... With zombies. With zombies. Yeah. It looked, a, like, a little slow, maybe not that interesting. It was hard to tell. Mm. It definitely had potential. One of the cool things that really drew me drew me to that booth was it's done very like eighties horror movie style, mm-hmm. complete with he had mock up VHS boxes on the table to display the, the artwork of the game, <laughs> right. which I thought was super cool. It definitely brought me over. I had to take pictures of it, 
It's like this thing is totally rad, and it had uh, LED strips inside to yeah, make right. the VHS glow. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So it was a pretty nice prop. Um, the game I didn't actually get to play because there was always someone playing it, but um, mm-hmm. it seemed like it could definitely could be good. Um, but it just seemed a little slow. That's all. Mm-hmm. Which you know may not matter. It might maybe that game needs to be that way. But um, we always spoke to the developer who actually he flew in from Scotland to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, from CSR Studios, yeah. the company that produces it. I think it's a one-man operation in this case. Crazy the what people do to get their games noticed. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely going to look out for that one. Yeah, well, they they definitely try to get your attention. There's a lot of hot competition <laughs> for uh, for you know. Is there getting, a Dead Pixels one? I didn't actually check that. I believe there is. There is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this one's okay. Dead Pixels two straight to video. Okay, that's the subtitle for yeah. the game. Mm-hmm. There was uh, there was actually another game nearby uh, called Freedom Planet. This is from a developer called Galaxy Trail, and they were trying to get people's attention by holding up a sign saying, "If you like Sega Genesis or Super <laughs> Nintendo, come check this game out." It was like a piece of paper written with Sharpie. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, one piece of paper said Sega Genesis, and the other piece of paper said Super Nintendo. It said Super Nintendo and more. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I would say this is a very 16-bit looking game, an action platformer. It looked phenomenal, I thought. I thought it was great. Uh, definitely inspired by Sonic. It wasn't, I wouldn't call it a Sonic clone. It was like a mascot game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was very reminiscent of the mascot games of that generation. Uh, the, <laughs> like the Tempo and, um, what was the other one? Like Dynamite Heady and all right. those type of games. And the, the mascot in this case is, was a dragon girl. Yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, the hook there. Yeah, fluid animation. Mm-hmm. Um, Very fast. Yeah, 60 frames per second. It looked great. I think it's currently on uh, Mac and Windows. And I think they just announced that it's coming to Wii U. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Yeah, def- definitely if you're a fan of that 90s 16-bit style uh, mascot game style game, definitely look out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there was a game that you've been playing... Uh, called One More Line. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing was that they had a custom controller in place for this game. Well, the whole game is just one button. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, however they had this set up, they had you know the monitor, and then they had just one giant button that you just tap. Mm-hmm. Now, you play this game on iPad, typically? I do, yeah. And I didn't know it was on anything else, but sure. just iPad. Yeah, so it's it's it you know runs on a, uh, in a browser as well. It's mm-hmm. like it's a free game on Congregate and so many of those other. Yeah, I think it's ads online games. Game. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So yeah, you, so you can play you can play on a keyboard if you want if you want to use your space bar as your one button. But I thought it was cool that they made this uh, this neat little controller for it. I think I got a picture of it. I noticed that a couple of boots did that. They made little custom either arcade panels or custom weird controllers. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a nice way to get it some attention. Yeah, especially you know when you're competing for views. Yep. <laughs> um, there was another game right next to that area, I think called Just Shapes and Beats, and this is um, from Berserk Studio. This is a small developer in Quebec City. Um, very abstract kind of a game. It's uh, I wouldn't say a co-op style game but it's it it does feature you can't play with two players on the screen at the same time and basically you're just like a small shape like a dot or something almost and there's just random 
other shapes appearing on the screen and you're just trying to avoid them. You're trying to just stay alive mm-hmm. for as much as you want, as for as much as you can. Um, but if one of the players gets knocked down, the other player can get to them and revive them so that, you know, I didn't game, even realize that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was that, that whole aspect to it. Well, the music is very like techno kind of dubstep style mm-hmm. and it's, it's a very r- rhythmic kind of game. So as the music's like the beats, the, you know, the bass drums beating, the the pixels are all like expanding and contracting and the whole screen's kind of shaking in the rhythm of the music. Right. And what you want to do too is uh every so often there's going to be like flashes of light and you're going to see like pink stripes going across the screen and when that happens you have to move out of the way of them because that's that's where like um it's that's sort of like instant death areas. Mhm. So they kind of give you like a quick warning and then you have to move out of the way and that's kind of like the point of the levels just to avoid all these like pink shapes that are popping up. Right. So, I don't know. It seemed pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. A little early to tell, maybe, but I, I like the look of it. Very geometric style again. Um, 2D, you mm-hmm. know, flat looking. I liked it. Um, this one's also going to be on pretty much every major platform nowadays. It's on PC, like Mac, it. PS4, PS3, PS4, um, Xbox 360, and Xbox One, and even Wii U. <laughs> so... Uh, take your take your pick, I guess. Not a lot of Xbox One. Yeah, not not so obvious anyway. No. Um, there was uh, another game there that was that we did play cooperatively, uh, and this was just simply titled Twenty XX. Um, this is by a company called Battery Staple Games. Um, and this is sort of, uh, well, I guess the most immediate thing we noticed was that it had very Mega Man X style graphics. Yeah. And that's exactly what they were going for. <laughs> when I, when I said, Oh, it looks like Mega Man. She, her eyes lit up. She's like, it's exactly where we're going for Mega Man X. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And so you could sort of think of this as like, um, a cooperative kind of action platformer. But it's got some roguelike elements to it in the sense that the platforms and the stages are kind of uh, procedurally generated. generated. Yeah. yeah. So, um, interesting not, for a platformer, to right. do something like that. Yeah. Won't always be the same as you play through. And it play, it does play a lot like Mega Man X. So you have the charge up beam, you have the duck and you know, the slide, you have the jump off the wall, mm-hmm. you know, the wall jumps, and then you have the platforms that disappear in like sequential right. patterns, which I'm not a big fan of those, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a staple for Mega Man games. Right. And uh, those definitely. And there's also secret spots. The boss, the bosses are in typical Mega Man fashion where you you walk into a chamber and the door closes behind you and you fight them. Mm-hmm. You have, a, I think, a second weapon power up. And yeah. then there's uh, shops that you can buy upgrades and other things. Right. So little little stores will, will pop up in, yep. in areas where you can, you know pick up additional items and even our characters were slightly different um i think we had different style weapons mm-hmm. um, mine was more of a slash type of melee and i think you had more of a beam weapon or a shooting so. shooting yeah. weapon um, yeah, i threw a boomerang at some point i don't know what that was <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool yeah i thought it looked good i um, played fun i think the game is also still in early access that's what she said yeah they're um they said that it's a about 60% done. I mean, it's pretty much a complete game at this point. Um, I think they're adding more levels. Just more levels and a little more polish. When we played, we beat two bosses in the short time we played. And I don't know if that was two levels or mm. not. 
so it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. But if the boards change, then you can really definitely play this. I guess the boss's role would be the same, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked good, though. Yeah. I'll try it again. Yep. And it was cheap, too. I think it was like $10 or $5, $5 or something. It was uh-huh. super cheap. Yeah, I mean, this, these are a lot of the, the games that we actually got, you know, a close look at. I mean, there was actually a lot more games than even the games we talked about. I mean, we've been talking for a while now, and... Oh, there's like nothing. We didn't even scratch the surface. This is this is just the games that kind of caught our attention or popped out and uh-huh. looked interesting, but there were tons more. Um, and I would say, you know, probably not that many really big budget games at the show this year. You know, like the things that you would think of as AAA titles. Compared to the previous, my two previous years, mm-hmm. it was almost, like to me, like it seemed like nothing. Yeah, this almost looked like, this almost really felt had like a look an indie for show. AAA. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and Nintendo was there. Uh, we didn't get into the booth because there were just lines for everything. Um, Splatoon was being showed. Yeah, which were on the big screen, so we got to see it a little yeah. bit. I mean, there were a lot of stations, but there was just a long line to enter the booth to be able to well, get the access stations, to the stations. Well, the stations you didn't have to wait in line for. That was only for Splatoon. That's, yeah. Well, yeah, that's but, so the, but they had the, the little mini stations where you can play like Xenoblade Chronicles and right. other stuff. That we could have just stepped in and played, but... Mm-hmm. Well, those they did. Ha- they did have a couple of other 3DS games. They had Codename Steam there, and they had Xenoblade, as like you mentioned. They had Puzzles and Dragons. Yep. Um, but for me, Splatoon was kind of the one I wanted to see. Yeah, yeah I think everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good to see that kind of reaction. I was a little skeptical of how the market would react to a new IP like this, especially when you can. Well, yeah, I mean, especially when you compare it, compare it to previous Nintendo. Um, appearances at mm-hmm. PAX. There was nobody there. Right. The booths were empty. So at least now they have people trying to want to interested in one of their games. It's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think there was kind of a, a pretty big Xbox presence there too. That's um, what you say. <laughs> I know you didn't notice it. I didn't it, notice any Xbox. But it, that was the big giant booth. The first booth that we saw when we stepped off the escalator yeah, on the main show floor. Well, you know what? They didn't do a very good job in <laughs> advertising that because... Well, the first thing you see is Halo 5. Maybe you're just... I didn't even see Halo 5. Maybe you're just filtering that out. You're telling me this <laughs> as we're leaving. And I'm like, I didn't see any Xbox there. And you're like, well, they had a Halo 5. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Did they really? Well, there was one section where we walked a bu- bu- past a showcase with a bunch of controllers in it. Right. Yeah, there was all the Xbox One was, controllers. Various customized was that Xbox the controllers. Xbox One. Yes, okay. that was the Xbox booth. <laughs> so they had a little contest going where you have to like kind of tweet or just you know put the take a photo and tweet it. Yeah, uh-huh. of which one you like, and you have a chance to win it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's not too bad. Um, yeah, I mean they showed a bunch of stuff. I I didn't get to see any of those though, and I'm not I'm not very current with the Halo games anyway, so I didn't really. Yeah. I didn't really have much. I wouldn't have been that interested anyway. Either my, I'm not a big Halo fan. Yeah, um, they had just, they had one game there called Scream Ride, which oh, I did see that one. Um, I don't know. It looked like some kind of roller coaster yeah, based yeah. game. I didn't really know anything about it though, and I didn't didn't really didn't really catch my attention too much. Mm-hmm. Um, State of Decay was also being shown, which I guess is, is a new edition of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Ori and the Blind Forest, which is another kind of indie style game that that um, this was this was on a in like a like a very there was like a lot of trees in this one and it looked kind of like a platformer, but I didn't really know what was going on in this game. No, um, <laughs> but it was on my kind of my wish list 
for Xbox, so I'm gonna maybe check back with it when it's like closer to release. Um, there was another game that was being pr- promoted pretty heavily there, um, and this was from a company called Motiga. It was that game called Gigantic, and uh, it almost looked like a team-based action game, but like with a very cartoon aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, good. It looked it looked cool. I didn't you know I didn't know what was going on, but I just liked the um, it's like cell shaded visual style. Yeah. Um, apparently, this game is getting a big push though because this game uh, they made a deal with Microsoft on this one, and um, it's uh, exclusive to Windows 10. This is actually going to be probably the first Windows 10 exclusive game, really? as well as Xbox One. Wow. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh-huh. I mean, or at least just interesting. I'm like, wow, they're, they're going that far with it. But there is one benefit from it. Apparently, it's going to use the new graphics API. It's going to be in Windows 10, as well as um, integration between the two platforms. So if you have the game on both Xbox and Windows, it's it's like one account that's going to store your progress in the game, and you'll be able to kind of um, go between them. So I guess this is going to be... Microsoft's um, approach for cross-platform integration. So they're going to, definitely going to try to tie Windows and Xbox gaming a little better. Kind of, I guess, I guess similar to what Sony's been doing with their with their platforms. Um, and I guess there were some other big games there. Uh, Battlefield Hardline was being shown. Uh, Witcher 3. Again, these are games that I'm not really up on in terms of series. I mean, these are sequels to big budget games that <laughs> I haven't played yet. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess I'll have to... Maybe I'll be more interested in them when I play some of the earlier games. Um, and all this was happening on the show floor, but obviously there's a lot more stuff going on at PAX than just what's in the Expo Hall. Uh, among them are panels, right? Various panel events. Um, and I think the first one we went to, I mean, the first day we spent most of the time on the floor looking at various games and Friday night we went to something called the 16 bit battle, Sega versus yeah. Nintendo. And well, the title was a little misleading. So that's what I thought it was about, but it really kind of wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sort of like half. Uh, promoting a book and a, maybe an upcoming movie. Mm. And then the other half was really like Pro Sega. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, so this panel was uh, being um, run by uh, Blake Harris, mm-hmm. who's the author of the Console Wars book, um, which, you know, you, you mentioned has been op- optioned for a film and so on. Uh, but joining him was Al Nilsson, uh, former marketing director of Sega of America. During the... During the 16-bit yeah. era, uh, when the Genesis was Some say launched. responsible for a lot of the Sega attitude of that era. Mm-hmm. Era. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was a great panel. I found it interesting to was, hear that side of the story from someone who worked at Sega behind the scenes. Right. And dealing with both the struggle of how do we take on this industry giant as Nintendo was back then. Mm -hmm. And also dealing with Sega of Japan, who really was against Sega of America on like almost every, almost every turn, like they want every decision. Mm It's amazing. Right. I I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because he, he kind of 
took us through various aspects of his career and what he did before Sega as mm-hmm. well, where he was um, one of the buyers at JCPenney <laughs> yeah. and about how they got into, you know, the selling of games and what market conditions were like at the time and so on. And, um, and at the time he was buying games from Atari to stock in the stores <laughs> and, uh, I guess, you know, wanted to buy up every Pac-Man cartridge he can get his hands yep. on. <laughs> he told them, give me a million cartridges. And they, their jaws dropped at Atari. They were like, we can't do mm. that. <laughs> we can't give you a million. <laughs> yeah. Like, they could, probably couldn't even make that many at the time. But they gave him, you know, like 600,000 or something, which at the time was unheard of. Mm-hmm. When you had stores, like you had, I think the industry leader was Sears back then for video games. Right. And they only took like a quarter of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Or even less. Yeah. It was, um... Yeah. It was a fun panel. Two hours. Yeah, it was It was definitely fun to hear this guy speak. Mm-hmm. He was a character. As many of them are. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that was my takeaway from it, is like, wow, it's almost... It's it's down to the personalities of the people running these things to... of, of You know, it's a, it's a make-or-break situation. Like, if they can pull off the right level of shenanigans the company's successful you know what i mean like like it was he was even talking about going to um you know how like the the game companies at the time were against rentals right they were against the renting of their games when nintendo was sure right Mm -hmm. and i mean that's what they you know that's the that's the experience they had had up to that point and then he had to go there and sort of win them over and, and say like hey you know sega supports rentals of games because a they're guaranteed more sales of the games as all of these chains have to buy games to stock them mm-hmm. and b you know more people get to play the games and find out about them and maybe that'll ultimately lead to more sales of the games yep. that's how they looked at it um and it's it's just uh interesting stories all around yeah i would say try to youtube and find that if you're into nope. that if you're into that generation of the 16-bit wars mm-hmm. um definitely worth a listen hopefully somebody did tape it i think so i saw some people recording mm-hmm. yeah and so at the time uh was another panel that we had attended in previous years mm-hmm. the uh, retro game Roadshow was at the same time oh yeah um and so we had a hard choice to make between the two we had to figure out like well where do we spend our time um so i don't know i thought this one was the sega one was potentially more interesting so me too yeah it was um Hopefully somebody got to tape the other panel as well. Maybe we can watch that another time. (laughs) Um, On Saturday, we got to see another panel called Awesome Video Game Data 2015. Yes. Yes. And this one was hosted by someone named Jeff Zatkin. (laughs) Which we thought was going to be the most boring, driest thing where we'll be like, and that's why you wanted to attend it, right? <laughs> of course, <laughs> this was your choice. It was my choice because I find I find statistics interesting. Uh, just just a lot like math and data and stuff like that. I like that personally. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah. I mean, we talk about this stuff on the show a lot, like about sales data and, and how things. it applies to the game mm-hmm. industry and right? analytics. So to me, I was like, yeah. Someone let's let's hear what he has to say. So he runs and, a company called Edar. Yep. Which uh, I guess gathers up various trends and sales information and um even just even down to uh twitch streaming and they try to analyze just what's going on in the gaming business and you know what can we anticipate 
and uh, who's playing games and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there was some there was some interesting information in there. I mean, he made he definitely made the data, the raw data, more palatable and more interesting. Yeah, he was, he was pre- it was pretty funny. Even just starting it off, he made a joke that he he couldn't believe how more interested <laughs> we were as opposed to the, when he gave the same speech at GDC just you know a day or two ago. Before I was, that, I was definitely surprised to see a crowd in that room. I was surprised too. Yeah, like young people like, interested in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just you know. On, on the busiest day, Saturday, like the room was packed. Yeah, and, and it really was just slide after slide of like bar graphs and pie graphs and any type of graphs you could imagine. Right, but there was a story being told. There, there was meat behind it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and I, we did notice, among other things, that the average age of of um, people who call themselves gamers is going up. Yes. Which um, means that you know people continue to play games. You know, as they get older, they're mm-hmm. not giving it up and. Uh, whereas it's maybe not, it's not longer like it's no. What he's trying to say is, it's always been the stereotype of oh, games are for kids. You know, it's mm-hmm. like oh, you still play games, you know, right. stuff like that. And the truth is, people in their thirties are the ones playing games. That's that's kind of the median age. Fifteen years ago, yeah, medi- the, the the average age of a gamer was twenty nine, and lately it's been trending into the mid thirties now. Um, so it's uh, and the amount of data that this company of his collects is absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. like the detail and it's just mind-boggling how they can even track all this stuff i don't know (laughs) i don't know i mean like do i believe this guy (laughs) like he could just making this stuff up right (laughs) yeah i it's apparently he's got some hard numbers to back up all his figures up even like specific stuff like rock band users and people who play rock band and people don't play rock band but in like and then console specific info like with that same information it was like mm-hmm. i don't know to me it was really amazing that was one of his first examples uh just showing like what the what the lifespan of that genre was like mm-hmm. um and I, I i didn't know there were that many different skews being made so that was the other um interesting thing that he had to even define for people what what skew means you know those letters are often used in retail and you don't always have a, an idea of what that the origin of that is mm-hmm. um but you know it was a good panel and we we kind of i think we kind of did our most of our heavy paneling on saturday yeah. um since it is kind of the busiest day of the con uh, oh, the short floor. The show floor is wall-to-wall people. Right. You cannot walk. And let me tell you, if you're going to show up at a convention, don't wear those stupid backpacks that stick out a foot <laughs> from your body. <laughs> this was a common thing, as tr- trying to get through, you know, various, like, aisles. Like, do and people not know, like, common sense and courtesy? I think people only are aware of, like, what's in front of them. I can't tell you how many times that someone turned around and I almost got hit in the face by their stupid backpack. Giant backpacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I stick to the messenger bag. I like that. It's more... Right, and any... That, that's why they make those. It's by my side. I know where it Thank is. Think had the convention bag. Mm-hmm. just bought one right there. <laughs> I think even at some point, um, uh, we, went, we walked by the behemoth booth. and they were Yeah, getting, those were good because they were small. And the, yeah, they were giving so, out free... Little backpacks, like uh-huh, the little the drawstring mm-hmm. style. Um, I saw people using those on the last day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those are you know those max out at a certain point. And please don't bring your luggage. <laughs> your luggage at home. <laughs> that was another thing. Come well, on. They, they have bag checks too. People can. 
Yeah. Can put yeah, their luggage can. away if they need to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I guess afterwards we sat in on uh, this uh, panel with an intriguing title called Making Video Sausage with Giant Bomb and GameSpot. And, yeah. and this was kind of a pretty much a video production panel. Yeah, yeah, not a whole lot to talk about. Um, it seemed like they didn't have a whole lot either to talk about. It was kind of like they sort of made it up as they went along sort of thing. Right. But yeah, we did that one. Some some behind-the-scenes stuff on how the video content for a lot yeah, of these sites Yeah, I, I was hoping produced. for a little bit more um, content, mm-hmm. but it was okay. Um, we also uh, set in on uh, Press XY. And this was notably attended by uh, Rebecca Heineman and Janelle Jaquez. Yeah, they have a big history in video games, designing and... Absolutely. And uh, we saw them at CGE this year as well. Yeah, they do this. So it's like a transgender kind of theme presentation in video games, like gender-ended characters in games. Mm -hmm. So they do this in CGE, and I think they did this in PAX like two years ago they debuted it. So, um, this is the first time I caught their presentation. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Uh, I didn't know a lot about the games they talked about, but. I know. Well, they did. Uh, so usually they look back, I think at like the history of like, uh, transgender characters in games, but this time they did just like this past year they did. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the games I haven't played from this year, right. so I didn't really know the references, but people in the crowd seem to know and they seem to be into it. So. Right. Um, let's see. And then Saturday was also another concert night. We didn't do the Friday night concert because we had the other stuff yeah, that we went we to. Yeah, why did Because we did the panels Friday We did night? the Sega panel. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, but... Yeah, it's kind of a shame. I didn't want to see some of those bands. I never, I never heard of some of them. Right. I mean, I could just go online, but, you know, sometimes, especially electronic bands live, can be a totally different feel than mm-hmm. what they sound like recorded, so. But we did catch Freeze Pop. Saturday night. Uh, yeah. At the main theater. That was my motivation for wanting to go to the Saturday night show. And um, it was a good show, as always. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I see them, I've seen them many times. But over, I, I don't know, I've seen at least 10 shows, if not more. And usually it's at uh, smaller venues where it's a lot closer. And this is this was in the big main theater. So they were a bit further away than I'm used to seeing them at. Even though I was, we were close. Even though we were in the literally the front row or the front yeah. two rows, um, you know they were still like a little more distant than t- than usually. Uh, but it was a good set. Enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they also did another show on Monday night after the convention ended um, with MC Frontalot, who's also big in the scene. A big hardcore, you know, among among gaming interested bands. Yes, um, you know, Freeze Pop has got a history of being used in various games. Um, one of the former members of the band was uh, actively involved in making games. Um, he was a producer at Harmonix, so that was kind of their connection to the scene. Um, but after the the Freeze Pop show, uh, there were more bands after that. But we had a party to get to. I know we're important people. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, this is this is what happens. This is part of the fun of, of attending mm-hmm. a show like this. There's a lot of um, outside activities as well. Um, so uh, the guys at Gearbox were nice enough to throw a party, a Borderlands themed party. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, you know, free admission, um, open bar. Uh, 
you know, pretty much to celebrate the release of mm-hmm. the Handsome Collection, which collects the second and third game in the Borderlands series for new-gen, next-gen consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, big yeah, costume this, contest. Yeah, they had the cosplay contest. It was in a, a big, like, art space. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had the hors d'oeuvres, they had food, snacks, uh, you know, beer. I don't know if there was liquor, but it seemed like they had all-you-can-drink beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were encouraging people to get drunk. <laughs> Apparently. Um, I don't know if they were checking age, but they were supposed to be. Um, I know they didn't check ours, mm. uh, our ID anyway. That's we true. had Because we had, you were supposed to do an invite, um, you, you RSVP an invite, and they send you a pass to get in. Right. But we got in without getting a pass, so. Well, we came without in through a different door. Checked. Apparently, uh, apparently we bypassed. That's true, yeah. We bypassed the door and had to go back and get a raffle ticket. We went through like a, a, a side entrance or something. Mm-hmm. It's called but, out. I'm going to go to the nearest open door. Sure, yeah. Uh, if uh, we're at the right address, I'm heading in. Totally. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I mean, I looked around for a check-in. I didn't see one. So we just kind of wandered a bit and then had to get our bearings. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some nice little freebies that we came away with. Oh, yeah. So we got three posters. So there was, yeah, a three-poster set. All promoting the Handsome Collection and Borderlands. Mm-hmm. There was the the cup holder, which we didn't get. <laughs> right. We missed out on that. Kind of, a, kind of a rubber cup cup holder. And that might have been just for the glasses. Yeah. Because I didn't see too many people take them home. Right. Unless you actually had one on your glass. And then they had coasters, a coaster set, which mm-hmm. all had the characters from the game. Various artwork. Yeah. And was there anything else? Um, that's what they had at the point. Okay. I mean, I mean, they had a, they had a raffle, obviously. The raffle was big. So they had they gave out uh, headphones from Razer. They gave out um, full copies of the Handsome Collection game. Right. They gave out one. The grand prize was the one five thousand uh, dollar claptrap robot. <laughs> uh, was it five? Is it that much? No, it's about it's a few hundred. Oh, is that? It was like five grand. Mm, I don't think it was that much. Oh, okay. No, maybe now it is like on the aftermarket. I think it's like it was like four hundred, maybe. Or oh, something? okay. I thought it was more. <laughs> You'd like it to be more. Uh, well, it, it was cool because they had they had uh, a robot battle going on using those same robots. They did. They had two claptrap set up in the back, one with like a fez on and one with a toupee. <laughs> so, so the deluxe version of the game comes with a motorized claptrap robot from the game, mm-hmm. um, remote controlled, and um, you know it's a pretty interesting design because it's kind of like a motorized unicycle kind of a design. Yeah, it doesn't tip over. And I'm surprised that those things work as well as they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people you control were having... it with your smartphone, mm-hmm. and they had like a little arena battle set up. Right. Yeah, it's just for fun. Yeah, it was. It, became, it got off to a slow start until people started drinking a bit, <laughs> and then uh-huh. then it became more fun. Yeah, um, and you know, of course, um, I think. Um, uh, Randy Pitchford, the kind of the, one of the leads of the company, or pretty much the owner of the company, I think, mm-hmm. um, was there to sort of you know meet the fans and and uh, yeah, he was photo totally, ops and totally everything. cool, hanging out, talking with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his wife came later on. Uh, Greg Miller was the MC, mm-hmm. formerly formerly of IGN. Yeah, he was there actually. I. I don't know much about him other than seeing him on IGN, but mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job. I thought he was good on the mic. Sure. Kept the, kept the room alive and yeah, kept things moving. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Absolutely. Yeah, um, 
totally cool with people too. He was hanging out with everyone, taking pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was. Um, I think and there were also yeah. Go on. They had uh, game stations set up, right? Like couches, and it was just kind of like grab a beer, chill out on the couch, and play four-player co-op on Handsome Collection. They had all PS4 set up, mm-hmm. and they actually had developers from the game set up at every station, right? Um, that if you wanted to just chat with the developers, you know, go right ahead. They were right there to hang out. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Also. Pretty good brownies, I gotta say. Uh, yeah. Uh, before uh, heading out, had a nice, nice they brownie. To special top off. brownies, were they? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. no, no, these were legit brownies. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. Um, but that kind of wrapped up that that yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, we headed back after that. Took took that. Well, long. We did, well, let's just say we didn't win the raffle. <laughs> no. No, that was another uh, another disappointment, I guess. But but you know. One one of these days, got to win something. Free drinks, man. How good? <laughs> how good is that? <laughs> that was nice. Um, I guess also, um, oh, part of the raffle also was like one of those loot crates, right? One of those like oh, right, yeah, from yeah. Uh, Think Geek. They had um, they had that kind of reproduction of uh, yeah. It was also the the Psycho Mask too. Was one of the oh really the prizes? Yeah. Oh okay. I thought that was uh, one of the winners of the 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 big contest, the cosplay contest. Yeah, yeah, that was the same. Oh, right, that wasn't the raffle. Yeah, it was the cosplay contest. Mm-hmm. But that was another prize they gave away. Right, right. But it was a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, except for that long walk back to the parking shuttle. Long, cold walk back to the shuttle. Uh-huh. Um, the following morning, Sunday, for the last day, we get there early, manage the park in... The proper south parking lot, which mm-hmm. I, which was nice because this gives us easy access when it was time to, to head out. Um, and we get there first thing for the inside gearbox panel. And last year was a pretty good panel, I'd say. Last time, they um, it was um, you know, a good combination of just seeing what was going on at the company, what was coming out. I mean, we're both Borderlands fans to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, last year... Uh, it was nice that we got a copy of the Borderlands pre-sequel game. Yeah. Uh, as a result of us ending. That, yeah. Yeah. Just as a big thank you to the fan base and making for making the game such a huge success. Anyone who sat in on the panel got a, a code for um, the new game that came out last year. Um, so I didn't have any big expectations for this time because, to my knowledge, they didn't really have anything like that coming out. Uh, Homeworld has already come out, and um, obviously Battleborn was not close to being finished yet. Not that I would expect anything at at all like that. Mm. Um, It would be hard to top something like that. And but I gotta say, overall, the panel uh, didn't didn't deliver a whole lot in terms of information or presentation or anything. Um, Randy made it uh, a little bit amusing last year, doing uh, kind of an elaborate magic trick. He's a bit of a a magic aficionado and performs quite a bit. Um, So the trick this time was a bit downplayed, in my opinion. It was supposed to be like more complicated of a trick, but I think it became too complicated for Mm. to, to understand. So what he did was, first of all, he wasn't there for this. He didn't wasn't able right. to attend, and they never explained why. So I don't know if it was he did leave his party a little early too. So I don't know if that was tied in. Could um, be. I thought he was going to show up at some point, but he didn't. But either way, he filmed something the day before 
for the event because I guess he knew he wasn't going to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. So the idea was uh, the magic. It was a magic trick in which he was going to choose the winner of the contest a day before. He was going to predict what it was. So he chooses the winner the day before and he puts it in the briefcase. So you don't know what's in the briefcase yet, but um, they put it in front of someone when the event happens the next day they put this briefcase you know unopened and they put it in front of the crowd and um you know and then they do this whole uh, picking four people out of and they picked like eight people out of a crowd and then they they do like a question answer thing and they narrow it down to one person and that everyone has uh been assigned a name and then at the very end when they when you're down to the last person who is assigned a name you know, they open the briefcase, and it, that same name should be in the briefcase of the person who won, and it was, mm. and it matched up. And I guess it, it was kind of cool. I just don't think the crowd was they didn't get it, or maybe that's not really what they were there for. And when yeah, I, they didn't really respond to it well. Um, but I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's inf- it's it's just tough because you know a lot of times it's a very full schedule. And you're trying to figure out, like, well, which panel do I really want to see more than any of the others? Yeah. Um, so at the same time was uh, a fun event that they've been doing um, uh, called Paximania. Paximania, the giant bomb. Yeah. Um, so this, it's a bit yeah. of a sort of um, uh, they pick a some kind of wrestling game and they they have like fun with it and yeah, well, like developers and people mm-hmm. in the industry come out and, and play this game in like a battle royal wrestling game. Right. Uh-huh. So we didn't get to see that. Um, hopefully that's online somewhere too. Yeah. And, um, you know, that kind of wrapped up our panel activity for the show this year. Um, kind of took a, took a few last minute looks well, around well, the they, show floor. They actually did announce in the Gearbox thing, they announced the, uh, DLC for the, the final DLC? For, I believe um, so. The pre-sequel? Yeah. So right. that was, I guess, their big announcement from the show. Right. But I don't think... That's not what people were really looking for. <laughs> that was called, I believe, Claptastic Journey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was... Kind of into the mind of the Claptrap. Yeah. Uh, which it looks cool and all. Yeah, it looked cool. Uh, you know, and, and a little bit more about the next Tales from Borderlands Troy uh, Baker episode. appearing on stage. Right, right. Doing his thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously if you're a fan of their games, there's some, there's some interesting stuff there. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but... I feel like most people walked away kind of disappointed. Maybe. I heard a couple of people on the escalator going down <laughs> who didn't seem too happy, but... <laughs> well, it's all subjective. I'm sure some I, I, Maybe was, some people Plus, it was early in the morning, too. A lot of us had to get up pretty early to be there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to attend. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, pretty much the rest of the day was kind of just odds and ends. Uh-huh. Um, there were... Uh, it was an interesting drawing at CPU Magazine... Um, they yeah, were, they do the same drawing every year. They they, they always like, have uh, some kind of PC related thing, mm-hmm. either either a pre built system or a customized system or something to that effect. Some parts, yeah. <laughs> and it always attracts quite a bit of a crowd. <laughs> uh-huh, they never seem prepared enough. Um, you know, a lot of these booths are not that big, and you know, when suddenly every person that has visited your booth for the entire weekend suddenly shows up all at once for a raffle drawing, yep. there's going to be quite a crowd. And um, and they have to, you know, you can't block the aisles because of fire codes and stuff. So right. now you have about 500 people 
in this small, tiny space. And, and the PAX to- enforcers are doing their best to try to keep things and, in order. And people are like, I don't want to stand in the back because I'm not going to hear the number being called. So now you have this like big fight where people are trying to push up front. And well, yeah, it gets a little crazy. It didn't. Get, it didn't get. It didn't get. Last year it did. Last year there was a fight. This year there wasn't. I do remember that. Or was it two years ago? Yeah, yeah someone threw a fist. Two years yeah. ago. That's right. Uh- <laughs> it gets people are. People get out of control with these things uh-huh. sometimes. Uh, but needless to say, we didn't win, so... <laughs> right, that was over and done pretty quickly. Um, the winner came fourth, I think, on the second ticket? I think so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what else was there? There were uh, free play rooms. Console free play? Yes. Um, so have, yeah. Well, there was, a, a, I guess, a classic console free play. There was modern free play, and then there was as well as... Um, mm-hmm. Some classic setup. Now, I didn't see a whole lot of classics. I did not. No, one room was Steel Battalion. Mm-hmm. Uh, another room we went to had all pretty much Smash Brothers or Borderlands playing. Yeah, there was one room that was Smash. And then the other, the bigger room was a lot of Smash, too, from what yeah. I saw. Yeah, On uh, PS... Then the other room had Xbox 360 and PS3s. Right. And then beyond that, I didn't, I didn't really see I too didn't much. I didn't either. So I guess if there was one it wasn't you kind of had to look for it mm-hmm. i thought we had and it was the kind of thing where you you go to this counter and it's kind of like a rental system you give them like your driver's license mm-hmm. and you can rent out a game of your choice whatever they have in stock you know it's like a library sort of right thing. right but you know those rooms are always packed too mm-hmm. which is surprising because you would think like you go into this convention like you go there to play games <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I guess some people um, want to check out some games they I don't have so, access yeah. I mean, to. It's sort of yeah, that's kind of what this place, this thing is about. I mean, if you, mm. and then you know, go ahead. I, I don't want to interrupt you. Well, I mean, I was going to talk about the arcade next. Yeah, okay. I mean, in previous years, the the classic arcade that's set up was always a, a nice you know feature of the, of the whole show, and um, you know, it was, it was formally set up by um, pretty. Uh, good organization which I don't recall the name of offhand mm. um, I'm thinking like the it's video A-cam? game arcade pres- preservation or yeah, something like that I, yeah. I think it was ACAM uh-huh. uh, those are the guys who were running it last time and um, I think you know they've got uh, something to do with the fun spot arcade that's nearby and um, this time it was a different organization running it and it was I, I don't know more modern games I guess not so much classic arcade games um a lot of recent uh fighters and so on and it it was kind of just like the leftover games that people had in like their backyards or something (laughs) it was like mortal kombat i think they had primal rage Uh, miss pac-man galaga cabinet probably the type of machines that you see in movie theaters these days yeah it was really just about as common as you can possibly get Mm mm-hmm on free play, of course. They had right. a Guns N' Roses arcade machine, maybe. I mean, pinball machine. Really? I think there was one pinball machine. Hmm. Uh, they had two candy cabinets, both with horrible, horrible screens. Yeah, and these were CRT cabs with really old CRTs in them. Oh, yeah. That probably have a lot of mileage on them. <laughs> yeah. A lot of discoloration. It was pretty sad. There was just tons of empty space between all the cabinets. Um, the music and the ambiance was out of place and for, for you know, from what I'm used to seeing in yeah, an arcade. Yeah, it was definitely a different vibe in there. Um, and there they was some going- kind of... Well, there was some kind of tournament going on with uh, with a play-by-play announcer when we were in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, totally different from what I would expect to see from a classic arcade room. 
Yeah, it was ACAM at PAX East last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was a little bit of a downer. Um, yeah, we pretty much just like walked in right in, walked out. We did a, a walk around and... Well, yeah, I mean... There was nothing uh, to play. There really wasn't for anything... Not to our interests. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I guess we could also mention uh, a fun little game that we had uh, chasing the Think Geek buttons every day. Uh, now, Think Geek was one of the vendors in attendance, and um, they would have a special button that they were giving out every day if you said the secret words yeah. or the secret phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, and the they, first they one... They tweet out what the phrase is. You go there, <laughs> right. you mention the phrase, and they give you like a free button. Uh-huh. It's kind of their thing they do every year. It's their, it's their little ploy to get you to their booth and hopefully uh-huh. buy something else while you're there. Yeah. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see anything that was... Um, you know, in previous years, they've had like exclusives or or show specials yes. and i think this time it was really just a selection of stuff they from, didn't do any exclusive this year no. yeah so nothing no special item or anything that you could get only at a convention mm-hmm. um which is strange because the exclusive they've done in the previous years always sold out mm-hmm. so i'm wondering like why they didn't do that this year even it's like some like in the past they did like the portal character but they made it in a different color you know just for pax east right they seem to sell out so i don't know why they didn't just choose something and you know i don't know mm-hmm. but whatever it's well the clues this time were all like some kind of donkey kong themed clue yeah they yeah. have their mascot uh, which is like uh a bit timmy of, the monkey t- <laughs> timmy mm-hmm. the monkey uh in place of donkey kong uh was on it was pictured on a postcard so the clues were, I'm the original Mario, and I am the King of Kong for mm-hmm. the second day. And the final day was, Jumpman, save me. Yes. But unfortunately, we didn't get in, we didn't there in time. S- no, no. no for, I, for the last day. I, I, I still f- I find that hard to believe. We went there pretty early, mm-hmm. and they were already sold out of the buttons. Not sold out, they just, they were free, so. Ran out or whatever. But I have a feeling people went there multiple trips to, and, and kept getting the same buttons over and over again. Maybe. Um, I think it's a pretty big maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you seem convinced. I'm going to say most likely that's what happened. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's um, that's pretty much wraps it up for, for our experience in terms of what we did and, you know, what we saw. Um, didn't do a whole lot of shopping, personally. Usually, I might come away with a few things. Um, really, the most the only things I bought were a couple of T-shirts. I got the official PAX East shirt for this year. You know, the show. You know, it's it's a bit of a personal tradition that I do. I mean, every, every year I go, I've been getting the shirts. So mm-hmm. I kind of like to pick up the standard shirt. And then they had a, 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 a special design in addition to the regular shirt. They had kind of a polygon-themed shirt that had, like, a logo design to look kind of like maybe vector graphics somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Polygon in the style, in the art style, not in nothing, nothing to do with the gaming website named Polygon. Right, right. <laughs> Just to be clear on that, um, also picked up uh, that that ridiculous fishing shirt I mentioned earlier. Um, from the Freeze Pop uh, merch table, I picked up uh, a cool little uh, 15th anniversary USB thumb drive that they were offering. Um, it's got pretty much their entire discography on it five full albums um eps remixes unreleased stuff um all the artwork and so on mm-hmm. in, a, in a nice like exterior that kind of fits the band's aesthetic so um kind of was meaning to pick that up 
Um, saw it on their website for a while, but never got around to ordering it. So I like to pick these things up in person. <laughs> and uh, I guess there are a few things that we didn't buy. We saw a Bechtrex loose out yeah, of the box. Yeah, I didn't buy anything. So I was going to see... They had a... Some of the vendors had some classic games and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was a Vetrex on display, and uh, he was asking two hundred. Right. So to me, that seemed a little pricey for a loose Vetrex. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to try to talk him down on the last day, but it was already sold out. Someone already bought it. Looks like somebody bought it. Yeah. So um, luckily, we saved two hundred dollars by doing that. <laughs> I know. If, if not less, but <laughs> that's how I would look at it. Right. Um. I saw... There was... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I saw a Sega CD game for a price that I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. They had Pop Full Mail for, I think, around 250 yeah. at a different vendor. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that game had gone to that degree. I don't know if that's just typical or if that's an anomaly or not. But that's not part of my collection. And at that price... The prices didn't seem... They seemed pretty, like, market value. Mm-hmm. They, there were no like, deals to be found. Right. And uh, there was a t-shirt I was going to buy, and they were sold out of the size. Mm-hmm. Then the Paxi's shirt sold out for the women's sizes. So mm. anything I went to buy was sold out <laughs> or gone. So I pretty much walked out empty-handed. I, I had saying the swag wasn't that much this year. Mm-hmm. Some pl- like some things about buttons or business cards, but that was pretty much it. Right. In past years, I felt like I walked out a lot more stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I can't really say I'm disappointed because I have enough stuff, but... Right. I think if you went there looking like, oh, I'm going to get free stuff, and I don't, I think you're probably going to walk out mm-hmm. disappointed this year. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing that I was maybe going to pick up was... Um, I saw an Atlantis cartridge in the box oh, for yeah. the Atari 8-bit computers. 8-bit, yeah. It was yeah. for ST, wasn't it? It was 8-bit. Okay. Yeah, for the Atari 800 type mm-hmm. um i don't know i think they wanted ten dollars initially um i i don't really have an atari 8-bit cart collection so i figured eh, maybe if it goes for a little less i would jump on it but i don't know in the end that wasn't wasn't a high priority for me I ended up passing yeah. on it yeah um and that's kind of it yeah we didn't get a chance to walk by the tabletop because i mean like there's so the floor is almost divided in half uh, between video game and tabletop game. Sure. So there's a lot of board gaming, card gaming, that type of um, yeah, you know, non-digital games. <laughs> it's a huge thing. Sure. Uh, we didn't. We didn't really even walk through it. So, so I mean, I, not. I'm not. It's not my interest area of interest. So that's why I don't do it. Mm-hmm. But um, we avoid that area. <laughs> <laughs> not actively. They, they did one thing they had new this year was. <clears throat> Uh, this one booth that sells like game tables, like mm-hmm. for your house. Right. Um, they have these that are running Microsoft Surface tablets, like giant size Surface tablets. Um, but in the you know, but like a full size table. So that was that was new um, in the tabletop sort of form. But um, yeah, it looked cool. yeah, we we did that, and then the whole land gaming area, we didn't go past that. We didn't sure, that, out. that was the bring your own uh, computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that place is going. Area all night pretty much right <laughs> oh and then finally the the most busiest booth was again second year in a row oculus mm-hmm. and the moment you walk in there's a line going around 
to get in there. Right. Yeah. I have yet to try one of these things. I've been, you know, I'm, 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 I'm definitely, uh, intrigued by the possibilities and I'd like to experience it, but anywhere I go where there is an Oculus headset being demoed, there's just no opportunity to, I'm not going to stand online two hours to, to do one of those things. Right. Yeah. Sad, but because I don't want those dirty goggles on my face. That's an additional concern. <laughs> I, I, I don't think of that, but I'm glad you bring it to my attention <laughs> because otherwise I'd be subject myself to unknown I can't deal with bacterias it. and pathogens. <laughs> well, you know the the story behind the illnesses and packs, so uh, I know it well. <laughs> exactly. So. Yep. <laughs> I definitely attended one year at the height of avian flu uh, mania, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I was not well for that week after that. <laughs> but yeah. I, and it wasn't officially diagnosed, but I just know there was something horrible going around. <clears throat> it happens if you put enough sweaty people in oh, a building together. Yeah. Things will spread. You'll definitely experience odors you have not experienced before in your life. That's another thing. <laughs> I think these buildings need to be designed with like military grade ventilation, mm-hmm. something that yep. can, you know, effectively remove any type of air and get it out of the building completely. <laughs> well, I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to touch on, but. I think that about wraps it up for me. No, we're going to upload photos mm-hmm. of our adventure. And uh, that's pretty much it. I, I think we covered a lot of our adventure here. <laughs> yep. Indeed. I'm looking through the photos now. <laughs> You've got, you took a lot more photos than I did. I don't know. Did, did I? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I took a few. I but... felt like I, I, I skimped out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Overall, this, did you enjoy it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, PAX was a little earlier this year than yeah. than previously. I think last year was about a month later. Mm. It was it was into April last year. Yeah. Um. So that put that put us a bit deeper into winter, and I don't know. I think the cosplaying took a downturn as a result. Way less cosplayers this year. That's sort of that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Even someone else noticed it on you know just overhearing people talk, mm-hmm. and they said the same thing. Right. All right. Well, I guess we'll. Uh, oh, and no, Sony. Sony wasn't there. That's true. There was no PlayStation nope. booth. Um, even last year, they didn't have a PlayStation proper booth. Right. But there was. Um, there was like a merch stand. Yeah, there was what they called the PlayStation Community booth, where they they just had some uh, some you know merchandise related to various titles mm-hmm. and so on, but. Um, yeah, nothing. Nothing this time around. I guess success is running away with them. <laughs> the PS4 is selling, so they don't need to do shows like this. Maybe. Well, the other conflict was that GDC was this week. And, yeah, um, yeah. So that... You know, a lot of people, some developers really had to split their time between the two shows. Yeah. Some of them literally flew in, like, that night and had to be there in, like, three hours sleep. Right. And do a presentation. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that was... That's the Game Developers Conference that was happening in San Francisco. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, not easy to get from one show to the other. It's not as if they were next West to each other. West coast to the east coast, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm wrapped up. I'm ready uh, to move on. 
<laughs> next year, I guess. But I gotta say, if you haven't been, if you're in the area or within traveling distance, I'd say it's worth going. I, um, if you're a fan, uh, if you're a retro fan, you know you you may not get what you're looking for. It's not a big retro event, but it's definitely it, there. There is a lot of like retro theme stuff. I mean, half almost I would say like seventy five percent of the merchandise sold like plush dolls and stuff mm. were all Nintendo like classic Nintendo stuff. But um, but other than that, it's just fun to just check out new games. Like if you've never been able to attend like an E3 or a CES or anything like that, it's definitely an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is not an industry show. This is a show for fans. Yeah, this is a show for you know, kind of the consuming side of of gaming. Um, a lot of these other shows are made for business people or people that work in the industry, and you know they're they're made more of like a with like a more of a commercial uh, interest. Um, but this is just a fun event. A lot of people say this is their their type of show. They they, they have the most fun talking to people who are playing their games. Um, you know, people who work the sh- these shows. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, worthwhile if you're either near PAX East or PAX Prime in Seattle or, you know, now PAX South in uh, Texas. And these are all pretty decent, if you can get to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as PAX Australia. But I'm thinking most people probably can't make that trip. So I guess until next time. Yeah, until next time, uh, if you have any questions or feedback, you can contact us through on Facebook. Mm-hmm. What's our or, preferred way? Yeah, or email obbfeedback at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, we'll see you next week. All right. Take Bye. Care.